come and see us. We can help you get out of the mess that you, that you think you're in because there is nothing, nothing worse than feeling that you're alone. Well-being is high in everyone's mind at the moment. As the NHS and I suppose really all healthcare systems are put under strain, staff are under increasing pressure, which can come out in a variety of unhealthy ways. Personal resilience is a solution that ignores those systemic failings, but at the same time, individuals are the ones experiencing this deteriorating well-being. So there needs to be something done at the individual level to help them cope. One person doing that is Claire Girarda, who runs the NHS Practitioner Health Programme. Once only for doctors in London, it's now being rolled out across the English NHS to provide the largest publicly funded comprehensive physician health service in the world. Claire, welcome to the podcast. Yes, hello Duncan. Lovely to speak to you. It's a... Good news that uh, this physician health service is now being rolled out um, across the NHS. And it's apparent that this is definitely needed, given how busy um, you were when the service was was just in London. Um, How many people do you think, estimate, in the NHS will actually be taking advantage of this now? Yeah, it's NHS in England and it's it's doctors only, so it, it does slightly narrow it. But we think about 6,000 doctors per year will come to us. We're currently at about 3,500, so we think it'll be between six and 8,000 per year, which is a lot. Uh, it's, it's a significant number of doctors. The vast majority of them, about 80%, will have symptoms of depression, anxiety, symptoms that are indistinguishable from post-traumatic stress disorder. But we will also get about 10% of those doctors will have some sort of addiction issue. Most of those will be alcohol, but also drugs. And and we're also seeing increasing numbers of of gaming and and gambling addiction. And then we'll see a, a small proportion of doctors with what we Turn to term complex mental illness, so bipolar disorder, uh, and some doctors with some serious uh, other mental health problems. Mm. Now, you're based in London, your practice is based in London. So let's take one example, and you mentioned their substance and alcohol uh, as one of yes. the big things you deal with. Um, how will you actually, you know, support doctors with that? Is there going to be local services? Will they have to come to you by phone? What's going on? Right. Well, let's say, for example, we, we identify, you know, Dr. Doctor Jones in, in Birmingham who is putting up his hand and, and realising or accepting for the first time that he's got a serious alcohol problem. What Dr. Jones would do would be to get in touch with PH, and that can be ideally done digitally. We will then send him a registration form, which he will fill in. He will then have uh, access to our booking app, and through our booking app, he can make his first appointment with a clinician, a doctor or a senior nurse of his choice. Now, he may want to see somebody in the Birmingham area, or he may not want to see someone in the Birmingham area, and he may prefer to go to Coventry. That will be his choice. He, mm. he doesn't have to see, you know, he, he can choose, he can come down to London if he wants. 
What we then try and do is to provide the therapy, if therapy is needed, if talking therapy is needed, as close to home as possible. So we have a, a whole network of therapists and we offer digital therapy. But Dr. Jones probably will need some inpatient admission. And we have uh, currently we're using one big uh, rehab centre, but we're looking at two others across the country. And we would suggest that they went in for a rehab, uh, a six-week admission, and then after uh, their discharge, we will follow Dr. Jones up. And again, the doctor who he saw for the first time would be his case manager for the, for the whole time that he's in our service. And if it's Dr. Jones with a serious alcohol problem, he may well be in our service for three or four years. So it's quite a close relationship. It's something that we would suggest uh, treatment. We would suggest, for example, uh, attending what's called 12 steps. We have a, a doctor-only 12 steps. Some of you might know that as AA. Uh, and there's all sorts of other bolt-ons that we'd be able to provide Dr. Jones. So they don't have to come to London. Some people choose to come to London. They prefer it. They they prefer the, uh, the increased uh, anonymity mm. of coming to London. But by no means does anyone need to come if they don't want to. Mm. Now, it sounds like you're, you've designed a really comprehensive service there that, that is very attuned to the needs of the, the specific needs um, of doctors. But when it comes to doctors and professionalism around, you know, alcohol, there is the GMCs involved. And, you know, we've we've seen failings where doctors who have substance misuse problems Julian Warshawski, for, for example, have an interface with the GMC, have an interface with their own hospitals and things. Um, but there's a lack of sort of joined upness going on. Do you think that you know what you've designed here can catch some of that, or or is yours just only one element of of what needs to change? It, it can capture what the example I gave of Dr. Jones is is really bread and butter for us. So Dr. Jones hasn't got any issues with performance as a doctor other than you know dealing with the alcohol there's probably no probity issues there's no conduct issues so it is a pure health issue and it doesn't need to go anywhere near the regulator if dr jones has been arriving drunk at work and there's concerns that maybe he's a surgeon and he's he's shaking then there may well be a need to interface with for example local occupational health and certainly with his consent we will do that so we're not we're not stupid if necessary we will you know we will say to the doctor look it is important for your well-being that we can interface with number one your gp but your workplace but say for example we've got the other extreme we've got a doctor who might be stealing drugs from the operating uh, theater might be using uh fentanyl bought on the internet might be using crystal meth at the weekend might be completely chaotic and and comes to us puts his hands up and says you know i haven't told anybody uh but i really need help and then we've got concerns about them we've got concerns that actually they're not being abstinent they're not following the treatment that we're recommending they we have concerns about them in their workplace they're not guaranteeing that they're off on they're on sick leave again we're not going to put patients at risk we will have a conversation with that doctor we will say if you don't follow our advice if we fear that you're putting patients at risk then we have to advise you that you need to report yourself to the GMC but I would like to stress that this is a confidential service so some of the issues I've talked about or we've talked about have been the interface with the GMC we never disclose your information or anything about you except in the most exceptional circumstances and in 
11 years, that's been nine times. And most of those have been seriously unwell, psychotic doctors that we've had very, very grave concerns. GMC are quite clear in their, in their guidance and their memorandum of understanding that if it's a pure health issue and the doctor is not putting their patients at risk and there is no, there's no risks that they're going to put their patients at risk, in other words, they're following advice, they're not working, then they really don't want to know as long as that doctor isn't also continuing to engage in, in illegal activity. So, but we're not daft. We've got 11 years of experience. We've never had a doctor, touch wood, who has harmed any patient at all in those 11 years. And we have a very, very good relationship now with the General Medical Council. I'm hoping the General Medical Council will change their system and, and create a much more benevolent, uh, benevolent monitoring system for those doctors that just have health problems. Not where you've got conduct and, and, and other issues tucked up there, but where it's a pure health issue. The GMC have moved a long way, but I think they still have a way to move to make it not an adversarial service or system, but a purely health system. And uh, on that, I mean, the GMC has had lots of criticism for that. And, you know, that we've seen this stress that, that being under investigation can put on doctors. And that's, that's even led to, to some doctors killing themselves. And uh, they have been doing a lot of work on that. There's a report coming out on, on well-being. I just wonder... The Michael West report, yes. Yes, yeah. What do you, would you like to see in there? Is there anything specific? What would I like to see of the GMC? I, I think uh, I'd like more data from the GMC. I, I've just said that in 9,000, 9,500 patients, all with mental illness, we've not had a single doctor that has harmed a patient. So in other words, I can categorically say that, there has, that the, the idea that a mentally ill doctor harms their patients it, it, we're just not seeing it they're much more likely to harm themselves yet we have doctors who are in uh, a, a, what is essentially an adversarial service or system uh, whose mental health is worsened because they're in it and it's not i think the gmc possibly as i said they've, they've come a long way but i think they could move even further and we've seen models of a benevolent regulator who does monitor see we can't monitor Duncan we're not a probation service and some doctors do need a probation service and I think the GMC do that well for doctors with maybe conduct issues but I think for health to put them in a probation service that isn't one that is isn't one that's I keep saying benevolent but by that I mean isn't asking them to appear in front of legal panels every six months that isn't using legalese that actually is about understanding that they do need monitoring they do need watching but it can be done in a different way Mm. now the other thing that by rolling this out more broadly you will get a sort of overview of you know hot spots of things going on yes. in the country perhaps and you know in australia we've seen entire cohorts of junior doctors taken out of hospitals because of you know well-being issues bullying whatever it was in that hospital you know and that has a real effect on on that institution it's kind of a, it's a proper stick to to try and affect change so i just wonder do you have any idea about at that sort of hospital level yes. if you see a hot spot what should happen 
Well, it's a very interesting question. We have seen hotspots. I mean, we've been going 11 years in London. We have seen them. And what we have done, which is when we have enough patients, because we have to have enough, because we must never, ever put our patients at risk of being identified, that where we have enough, we write to the chief executive, we write to the chair, we write to the medical director, we offer to go and see them. We have been to see them several times across across a number of years. We let them know that we're seeing large numbers of their doctors coming to our service uh, and we suggest that they might want to uh, do something about it. I have also spoken uh, in confidence, uh, because everybody can speak in confidence, to the Speaking Out Guardian, and I have spoken to, to, to them and said, you know, we're identifying some hotspots. It's very difficult for us to, to, to tell you chapter and verse where they are because uh, it might breach confidentiality, but when we get enough of them, we do uh, let them know because we, what we pick up is, is entire departments, for example, being bullied. Uh, or where you see a reorganization in a hospital that they've made absolutely no, uh, they're not addressing at all the human factors, the fact that that, that there are human beings working in those departments that are being influenced by the reorganization. And whilst I'm not there to, we're not an inspectress, we're not the CQC, but nevertheless, we feel we do have a duty to feed back to the, the places when we see some serious problems now going forward again we may pick those up and and again we will when we when we can do it safely we will feedback mm. but i can tell you that i don't need to feedback to individual hospitals we know now we we know what the problems are in the nhs and we feed them back nationally uh, and whoever whoever will listen and i mean i suppose that's the trouble whoever will listen doesn't necessarily mean people who will actually you know make a change or in a position to make a change. Um, so I, I wonder, you mentioned the CQC there, and I, I have heard people say that one part of a CQC rating should be, you know, well-being should be those human factors. Do you think there needs to be a more structured approach to that? Yes and no. I mean, the fact that you are being inspected makes trust become much more authoritarian and we've had several i had an email from a, a doctor describing bullying in the nhs and said it started a few months before cqc were coming because suddenly everybody's anxiety started to be pushed down the line so that the senior managers started to bully the junior managers who started to bully the doctors who bullied the nurses and the whole system changed but at the same time cqc can affect change i have concerns about putting it solely into CQC and, and because it will, may risk becoming another tick box. What I personally would like to see is much more uh, what the Royal College of Psychiatrists do, which is something called enabling environments, which is a, a form of, of inspection and accreditation that's looking at the compassionate aspects of an organisation rather than the hard metrics which sometimes are gamed and sometimes just do nothing to improve mm. patient care. So I think CQC are a solution, but I think rather like the GMC were many years ago, they're not quite sure how they can change to make things better. But I think they need to change because they can make the system better for all of us. 
So that's just some changes needed, but until then, uh, your service will be available for doctors um, who are experiencing troubles in in a variety of different ways. So how, if someone is listening to this and and they want to get in touch with you, how how can they do that? What's the best route? Well, I mean, they can go on our website, www.practitionerhealth.nhs.uk. They can ring us, 0300 0303 300. Uh, or they can email prac.health at nhs.net. Really, we are a very accessible service. We are there for mental illness. And it's really important to stress we are not a well-being service. We're not there to offer mindfulness. We're not there. We don't offer yoga. We're, we're, we're a mental illness service. So if, if people listening to this are uh, struggling with anxiety, are finding some doctors who literally vomit on their way to work, doctors who may feel guilty because they can't provide the care that they want to provide, doctors who are overwhelmed with work and really don't know where to turn, doctors who may be hitting the bottle when they get home, we all understand that, and doctors who might be using drugs at the moment. We really want to see you. The other group we really do want to see are doctors who have had serious complaints, doctors who are going through the GMC, because if you're not depressed at the start, you will most certainly be depressed at the end, and we really want to help you. And if things are really bad for you at the moment, you know, you're really stuck, especially if you're using drugs or you're heavily involved in in alcohol or there's something terrible going on uh, in your private life, your professional life, come and see us. We can help you get out of the mess that that you think you're in because there is nothing, nothing worse than feeling that you're alone. Great. Well, I'll put links um, to all of those uh, in the podcast text. Uh, So if you're listening and you do want to get in touch with with Claire and her service, have a look there. You've been listening to Claire Gerarda talk about well-being and the new NHS Practitioner Health Programme. She's written an opinion to explain more, and I'll link to that in the podcast text, along with all the contact details that she mentioned. We also have a well-being campaign where there is lots more of this kind of information available. That's at bmj.com slash wellbeing. We've also done various bits of multimedia around this. We've had Claire on talking about alcohol in a Facebook Live. You can find them on our Facebook page. And if you're interested in more in the podcast, then all of our wellbeing content at the moment is available for free in our archive. And that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts from. That's it for this episode. We'll be back next week with more from the world of medicine. Until then, I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.